Oh, hello. My name is Miranda Rodriguez, and I'm your host of the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast, a podcast that aims to inform and inspire through long-form conversations about marketing across industries. I'm also the lead marketing consultant and founder at Marketing for the Uninhibited, where we do marketing strategy consulting, and we like to keep things simple, realistic, and fun for our clients. On this week's episode of the podcast, I sat down with Chris Cash. What a name, right? And she's also such a fabulous woman all the way around. Um, She is a Keller Williams real estate agent, former interior designer. She made the jump to work for herself as a real estate agent um, at a much later point in her career than most people would think to do. And we discuss what it took um, from a personal perspective to make that leap at that stage in her life and you know how she dealt with the opinions and thoughts of other people and um, she also gives us a little bit of decorating advice and she also talks about understanding your why and the importance of having a niche in your business and so i hope you enjoy this conversation in case you're wondering we are sipping on tito's and soda so if at any point tito's wants to sponsor the podcast you can contact me at marketinguninhibited.com also at this point i should probably just get the liquor store to sponsor me i wonder if they would do that shout out to foremost liquors in downtown aurora if you know you know all right enjoy the podcast we'll talk to you next week Hi everyone, I'm Miranda from Marketing for the Uninhibited, and I'm here with Chris Cash, a real estate agent from Keller Williams. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm Chris Cash. I am, uh, well, former life, I was an interior designer. I still am an interior designer. I've just added the angle of realtor into the mix. So I call myself kind of a matchmaker of homes. So I help match people with their perfect home and help to make it more beautiful. And how long have you been in real estate now? December was a year. Congratulations. Yeah. How's, how's it going? It was the best decision I ever made. Great, great first year. And how, it seems like a natural path from interior designer to real estate, because that's what you're doing, right? Going into people's homes. Were you doing like private homes? Are you doing, when you were interior designing? You know, actually, yes and no. I started off in interior design with my mother when I was in my 20s, and we owned a decorating den franchise together. And then I ran that with my mother for about four years, and then I figured if I was going to continue to love my mother, I couldn't work with her anymore. <laughs> yes, I feel like, yeah. uh-huh. So I left and she continued to run the business and I got offered a position in marketing and advertising. Did that for a while and then got back into design. When I did, I went into commercial design. Ooh. So I was doing primarily window coverings for office buildings, restaurants, uh, funeral homes. Oh, wow. I even did a convent for oh nuns. Gosh. So I had a variety of commercial projects. Um, and then I would once in a while take residential. Then I went strictly residential. So I've done both. Which did you, was there one that you preferred or are they just so different that it's so different? Yeah. Um, doing residential, you know, you're dealing with a homeowner, there's emotions involved, right. um, tastes. Uh, lots of opinions. 
Um, when you're dealing with commercial, it's usually a set of blueprints and a budget and cut and dry, get it done. Yeah, that would make sense. I mm-hmm. can't imagine, like, I know what it's like to deal with people and their websites and their personal tastes, and I've seen that being micromanaged, but what's it like being in someone else's home trying to Yeah, it's very that? personal, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I can't project necessarily my tastes on them Mm -hmm. it's their home right right? so I have to remove myself a little bit from the equation of what I like but I can say you know oh you know this goes better with this right but in their taste so now that you're in real estate do you think you're better it almost seems like you'd be better suited to listen to those needs because you did that for so long yes to match them with the right house Yes, and I think it helps. Um, a lot of people can't see what a home can be. Yeah. You know, it's all of their wants and needs that they have on that list are really there. We just have to bring them out and enhance them. And right. it's hard for them to visualize. So I help with help helping them to visualize what it can be. Because wow. not all homes start out as perfect. Right. And that's <laughs> like, I think... When you're it's not HGTV. No, it's not. <laughs> and the rehab proce- process is not HGTV either. I mean, it oh, can gosh, be, no. but right. Like, I think it's a lot harder than it looks on TV. A lot right? harder than it looks. Um, usually, um, I'm going to say more expensive than they uh, portray yeah. on the show for a much longer <laughs> time frame. And I'll be getting into that when I do the seminar up at Wickwood House. Yeah. I'm bringing in a remodeler that's going to talk about the realistic costs and time frames Expectations. for remodeling. And what date is that again? April 11th. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. That's coming up. That's coming up. So how did you decide, we talked a little bit about this when we met at the networking mm-hmm. event, but how did you decide to make the leap from interior design to real estate? Oh gosh. Um, my last part of my full-time interior design career actually was spent more behind a desk. I was managing a design center, uh, managing other designers' projects, and I became lost. Right. And I'm trying to figure out why am I lost. I am still doing interior design. I'm just helping other designers with their projects. Well, it was that loss of connection with being in the community, being involved in the community, being with people, I missed that. Yeah, and you seem like someone who thrives on that connection. Yeah, so I scheduled a um, coffee meeting with a woman in Naperville that I have known since we were in our 20s. We were in the um, Naperville JCs together, and I actually did her marketing and advertising at one point and asked her to have um, coffee with me because she was in real estate. And I just wanted to pick her brain. Yeah. But pretty much before I could even say, I, I told her how I was unhappy at the time, and she goes, why aren't you in real estate? She goes, you would be so good at it, and you already have you know, your client base from design, and yeah. you could still keep toe in design, but she goes, I think that you would be perfect for real estate. And after talking to her for an hour, I went home that night 
and said to my husband, uh, I think I'm signing up for real estate classes. <laughs> and what did he say? He was like, good, I just want my wife back. Oh, that's because so I was not happy. Yeah. And I needed to get happy again. I think when people are either like in the phase where they're thinking about quitting their job or making the leap, there's that fear that happens at first. Oh, yeah. And then the fear, but then also like, what is everyone else going to say? What's my husband going to think? What's my family going to yes. think? Yes. Friends, were you concerned about? Yeah, I mean, opinions? Th- lots of things ran through my brain. Of, you know, people are gonna think, "Are you crazy? You're you're yeah. walking away from a job that is a salary. You're six miles from home. Right. Uh, I don't work nights or weekends. You know, you know, they're gonna think, what's wrong with me? Right. You know. Well, what was wrong with me is it wasn't right. You know, and you got to figure out what's your why. Mm-hmm. My why for me was not money. Right. Driven. You know, my why is a connection with others and um, being around people that are positive and supportive and therefore being able to be positive and supportive to others. That's my why. Did you? I'm sorry. There's a huge. I got this. Something's going on upstairs. (laughs) As always when we're here. But I think that's good. And I think people tend to tune out their why in an effort maybe to appease other people or because they're concerned of oh what they want to stay in their safety think. zone too. yeah you make every excuse to stay in your safety zone so how do you think like what drives you to be comfortable outside of that safety zone trying to look at the bigger picture and the bigger yeah. picture is a, we're not on this earth for that long right. when you really think about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I think approached an age where I was like, you know what? I don't got that many years to work in yeah. realistic. I don't want those last years of my work life to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, wanting to, um, I guess, you know, challenge myself I didn't feel challenged anymore I felt like a robot because I was doing the same thing I had done for 15 years I did it well and it was like okay what else there's there's got to be something else Mm -hmm. there's got to be something and another bigger picture is okay if I want to retire comfortably I've also got to do something where I can make more money yeah I was kind of stagnant where I was at did you so you kind of hit a plateau there yeah yeah i was talking about this the other day with someone else and how when you're in the corporate world you pretty much know the trajectory for your role and what your cap yeah income is going to be exactly with real estate there is no cap exactly and just entrepreneurship in Mm -hmm. general and there's so many different avenues Mm -hmm. you know i i sell real estate list homes and sell them but there's also investment angles yeah. and you know, want to do investment properties. Do you want to do flips? Um, so there's different avenues to make money. Right. Too. It sounds like when you started off, you had a niche, like you have interior have design background. Yeah. So how has that gone? I know we kind of talked about it. But Great, and it's growing because um, I just over the years, I have done some staging of mm-hmm. properties for sale. And I was doing that as a designer for other real estate agents. Right. So I kind of have a collection in my basement of uh, various <laughs> accessories and wall art and uh, small furniture items. And I've kept those. 
And so I stage, mm-hmm. you know, my own properties for sale now and plan to grow that staging end oh, wow. of the business. So um, I'll be able to not only stage for myself and others, but I also have some designers that I'm going to bring on board to help me. Oh, cool. Because if I get too busy, I can't do both. And that's a good problem to have. Right. And also knowing when to delegate and what to delegate is a good boss move. Right, right. Same thing when a buyer moves into a new home and they need things. Sometimes I'm able to help, but sometimes I will need to bring another designer in to help. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a shoot. I just had a question I was going to ask you about that. Darn. Anyway, no, there was a, okay. Well, we'll move on because I had a question. <laughs> um, so now that you're one year in, do you how long do you foresee this going on, and now how do you see it growing? Uh, well, particularly the design and staging, and that can be a whole business onto itself, right? Um, I was recently at one of Keller Williams training events in Austin and there was a woman that got up and spoke in a small group session that we had. I believe she was in Florida. Same as me. Mm -hmm. Went from interior design to real estate and was just staging her own listings and then more and more agents were asking her to stage for them. She started getting a collection, you know, that collection grow, outgrows right. your basement. So pretty soon you have to get a storage unit. Oh, wow. And it grew so much that now she has a moving van oh that's gosh. completely wrapped with her logo uh-huh. and information on it. She has a driver and delivery guys. And she has a 10,000 square foot facility of furniture, accessories. <laughs> And she has a staff of 15 oh my gosh, that just runs the staging and design end of it. How many years has she been doing this? Not sure. but That's probably amazing. Quite, but um, I could see a need for that yeah. and um, you know, may pursue that. We'll see how things go. Wow. So what? Oh, oh there's a bug. There's a bug. Sorry. There's noises. <laughs> this is just well, real life Maybe here. bug means spring's coming. Yeah. Oh, I heard some birds this morning and I thought the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, birds outside my window. There's yeah. hope. Yeah. Um, so how? So I know staging is important when it comes to listing a home. Yeah, absolutely. But what about the role that photography plays? <gasps> Huge. Um, you know, if I could do like one shout out to the realtors yeah. in the world, <laughs> it's do not take pictures with your cell phone of your properties. Right. You know, our job as realtors is to showcase that home in the best light possible to the public you're not doing that by taking cell phone pictures right part of my expenses Mm -hmm. in my my business because it is my business is to pay a professional photographer to go in and take pictures and do you see well did you ever not use a professional photographer okay because there is I would imagine a difference between like your days on market and the clientele that you attract when you use a professional you know your first uh impression Mm -hmm. is usually on the search engine sites you know realtor.com zillow all of those if a consumer is looking through those yeah and they're just scrolling pictures, scrolling pictures, what listing do you think they're gonna ask their agent to show them first? And it's obvious, well, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but when you're looking on, because I have some of those apps on my phone just for fun, just to look, Mm -hmm. and it's so obvious 
who has used a professional photographer and who has used someone to stage and set the scene versus those that haven't. Right. And why would you... You know, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, training is number one. A lot of agents just weren't trained that way. I was trained that way from Keller Williams from the start. Um, Budget. Yeah. You know, two, if you're an agent who is selling at a reduced commission rate. Right. You're less apt to spend your business money on things like that. Yeah. So that's, you know, as a homeowner and you're hiring an agent, that's something you need to look at. Right. You know, if you're working with somebody that is at a lower commission rate, well, what are the chances they're going to spend money to market your property then? So as a homeowner then, if your agent isn't going to get professional photography, can you hire a photographer or is it really yeah, all the Yeah, I think that's poor customer service on yeah. the point of the agent, but right. sure you could. Okay, so you could. Mm-hmm. And then... Okay, so when you start a business, I mean, there are always investment costs up front. Yeah. But I feel like in real estate, well, maybe you can explain. Is I think, oh, no, I didn't. Pete is going to be after us now. Someone <laughs> bugs on air. <laughs> well, we're not going for a PETA sponsor. We'll take the Tito sponsor right. instead. <laughs> yes, there are startup costs. However, um, having owned a business before, right. I've worked with two small business owners and you see what expense goes into opening your own bricks and mortar mm-hmm. store. There's no other business that you can start for as little as money as, as being a, in real estate. Okay. Um, you know, there's licensing fees and brokerage fees and, right. and I pay for advertising and um, you know, self-promotion mm-hmm. of course too. Um, but no other business could you get into for less money. Do you, so when you say you pay for advertising, is that through Keller Williams? Or no, your we own? all act as independent okay. um, business owners. Uh, we just hold our licenses at a brokerage. Got you have to buy law. Yeah. So my brokerage happens to be Keller Williams, okay. but we are all treated as individual business owners. So, um, you know, I pay anytime I place an ad in a magazine. I right. pay for my own signs. I pay for social media posts. Wow. Yeah. So, and are you responsible then for, do you put together your own marketing plan? I I do. There are some agents that hire out um, professionals to Mm -hmm. help them with that because it's not their thing. Yeah. But kind of marketing and advertising was my thing too. Exactly. For a while. But I just recently brought on a friend of yours to help me with the social media end of it all because that can become very overwhelming. It is overwhelming and it is time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. I think as an agent... You like you're on the go a lot of yeah. The time. I don't you know I don't want to be stuck in right. front of my computer doing social media posts. Yeah, Jessica's gonna be great at that. Yeah, and your website. So then, it's the website you're building for real estate. Yeah, and the staging and design part. Wow. There'll be two separate sites, but you know, kind of connected together. So when you were younger, because it seems like you are creative, always and I'm definitely was creative. a people person. You always were. Yeah. Like, were you involved in anything specific? Were you an artist? Were you like a... No, I just, you know, kind of remember as a kid, you know, my favorite things were boxes of crayons <laughs> and Light Bright. You're too young no, to I remember Light Bright because I liked all the colors, yeah. you know, and 
I wasn't that much of a doll person, although I liked the clothes, you know, the fashion of, of it, you know, so right. things like that. And I have done a little painting, but not, you know, huge amount of painting. And your mom was in the industry too then, yeah. so she was similar mm -hmm. in that regard. So how did you come to get, what is it, teal and orange kitchen? <laughs> Not completely. My kitchen's really gray, but I added <laughs> teal and orange accents. Where did you add the accents? I bought oh, these. Damn, I thought it was going to be like orange walls. No. <laughs> um, I bought the coolest glass art tiles mm -hmm. from a, I think it Lee told me that they're the oldest glass blowing studio in Illinois. Oh, they're really? in Riverside. And they have the coolest glass art in there. Yeah. So I bought these tiles and they're orange with teal dots in them. And I hung them by my my range instead of, you know, like some mortaring it to the wall mm -hmm. like a backslash, I hung them. Oh. So that was the inspiration. Cool. Then I started adding, you know, kind of retro, uh, teal vases and an orange uh, pitcher and things to that and then yeah. I have dining room chairs that are covered in an orange fabric. Oh and fun! So it's not all over in your face yeah. teal and orange but it has a little bit of a retro vibe. I really like that. I like neutral most of the time mm -hmm. but then the bright pops of color I think because sometimes you if you put a lot of color in a room it can be like you know, color vomit. But then when you when you do it like you do tastefully, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to design a place that you were like, "This is not good," um, or that you completely disagreed with? I don't know. I disagreed with. It was hard for me. I did one time a Victorian mm. historical home that the person wanted to stay with the Victorian um, theme of the outside of the house and the inside. Victorian is not my thing. Yeah. You know, lace and ruffles and is so not me. So it was very hard, you oh know, to design Victorian. And where do you have to do research for that then? Uh, I did a little bit for that, yes. But she she was pretty knew what she, she wanted. wanted. Mm -hmm. So in that case you're listening to the client mm -hmm. and just yep. kind of executing to plan. Yeah, I and mean, she had historic pieces you know, for me to use as far as furniture went, but yeah, doing window treatments in Victorian style, oh my gosh. yeah, was not easy. Where did you get those? Oh, I had them all custom made. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So who's custom making, like who, who do you go to to custom make Victorian Yeah, when things? I worked, um, I used to work for um, a lot of people in the area will know Rosalind Draperies. They were in downtown mm -hmm. Naperville for 35 years. We had our own workroom that would fabricate our custom draperies. And at that time, you know, a lot of people were doing heavy draperies and right. huddling on the oh, ground yeah. and the swags and all that. Then, you know, now we're seeing much more simplistic uh, mm -hmm. drapery. But um, now I just use two local, you know, workrooms that um, they're not wow. open to the public. Yeah. They're just for designer use. And wow. I'll have them fabricate for me. That's amazing. So then in your house, did you like, I guess, how do you did go about designing your own house? It's hard. I would imagine. Even picking out paint colors for yourself is hard. Right. So I'll call a friend in. 
that's why people hire designers. It's it, it's yeah. you're you're too close to it, right? You need yeah. somebody else to help you. So, but my house is pretty simplistic. I like um, I'm gonna say 1960s Scandinavian mm-hmm. clean lines, clean, yeah, tailored. Um, so I don't have a lot. Of, people are usually surprised that right. I don't have a lot of. Like it's not this over the top thing. And, and I yeah. don't have a lot of accessories. Everything is very clean. And that's, I mean, it's good that you know what you like because I think, and this can be the same for like web design or mm-hmm. social media or whatever, that sometimes you just don't know what you need, but you need help. Mm-hmm. So is it easier? I don't because I know I have gone to a logo designer before and been like, okay, I know I don't like these yeah, things. Yeah, people usually know what they don't like. And that's where they start. Mm-hmm. Is that like the base? Yeah, <laughs> process. Tell me what you hate. <laughs> How do you develop a home style? Because I feel like I'm living in an apartment right now, mm-hmm. and I like thrifting. So like going, I found a really cool bar cart at Goodwill that I then painted yep. and like rehab. So now it's my record player area in my living room with my plants and stuff. But I feel like I just kind of throw pieces together, and I lack cohesiveness. And so, do you, do you have any advice? <laughs> How do I bring it all together? Well, you know, I can see in an apartment it is hard. Yeah. Because probably you can see most of it from your living room. Yes. You can see everything, exactly. right? So it's hard to move things into other rooms mm-hmm. when it gets a little overwhelming. But I usually tell people, you know, to like pick three things that are your core favorite. Like if somebody told you you had to get rid of everything in the room, but you could keep keep three things, what would they be? Yes. And those become your center, your your focal point. Okay. Right? So say it's your bar bar cart. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be your focal point. So you're, you know, and that's your style is that bar cart. Yeah, I love that bar cart. Uh Uh-huh. And then you're allowed to put limited things on the bar cart. You can't junk up the bar cart. I know. You know, like three or four. Three, I say odd numbers. So three or five things on the top of the bar cart. Okay. Um, then I need to declutter. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, whatever your other two things are, maybe one of those things goes on a mantle or on a shelf, and mm-hmm. you can decorate around that one thing, okay. three or five things. That makes sense. So sometimes you need to edit. Yes. And get rid of things that you don't love, 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 love. Let somebody else love them. How do you feel about <laughs> Marie Kondo? Because I was thinking about like how she says the process, you know, to hold it and like does it give you joy? Because mm-hmm. I did that in some aspects, like with my clothes, but I haven't done that in absolutely other knickknacks and things. Yeah, I mean, I have helped women that they have something that's been in their living room for over twenty years. Well, do you love it? Not really. <laughs> I'm like, then, uh, yes, it's nice. Yes, I can see you spent a lot. See, what holds people onto that sometimes is they think, I spent a lot of money for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you spent a lot of money for that 20 years ago. Yeah. You have gotten 20 years of love out of it. Right. Now give it to somebody else who will love it for another 20 years. And it doesn't have to go to Goodwill. That was something that, like, killed my grandma when we were cleaning out. No, it doesn't have to. No. Um, There's there's lots of local organizations um, that will take that to help women in transition. I work mm-hmm. with Bridge Communities out of Glen Ellen and we provide um, housing for 
women coming out of bad situations. Mm -hmm. And I've gone into a home that we did for a bridge recipient and decorated that place. Some of these women have never had nice things before. Yeah. Um, so to come in and see, you know, a whole plate, not just that you were given the keys to a place to go in, but to walk in and have it be fully furnished. Oh, my gosh. And with nice things. Nice like, things, yeah. I think I volunteer with Mutual Ground, which is similar. Same. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right here in Aurora. And so I try to donate most of my stuff there so that they can use it when they transition or even Hesed House Hesed House nice. yeah Humble Design in Chicago mm-hmm. is another great one um, so yeah you don't have to just drop it off at Goodwill yeah you can reach out to many that it's actually going to a real person that right. lives in your community <laughs> that you you know are bringing joy to and when I lived in Virginia um, I worked at a retirement community and so they were you know, the residents there were constantly moving or downsizing, and so that was cool because then sometimes their family members would ask, like, if you needed it or if we're going to donate it, but if someone here can use it. So then, I mean, and you never know what those people could have. I got, a like, one of those handheld blenders that was, like, from the 70s, you know, that weird 70s green color. Yes, all I, do, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked great. I didn't bring it back to Illinois, but... So many cool things came out of that retirement community. And then my office was full of like five or six women, like in their 40s or 50s. And I was moving into a studio by myself. And they literally said, bring us a list of what you need. Yeah. And they went digging in their attics and their garages. And they furnished my entire apartment for free. Yeah. That was I it. mean, you can't believe how many times people have things in their basements that they got as wedding gifts yes. and never opened them. Oh, my gosh. Or like they, their daughter moved home from college and they never gave it away. It's just been sitting in the mm-hmm. attic. I was amazed. And they're so willing to help if they know. Yeah. Like if you and sometimes that goes back to the person themselves. Like if you ask if you're moving when I moved here um, into my apartment here, my aunts I have a huge family. My mom is one of seven. My dad is one of eight. My stepmom's one of 12. Wow. And I'm an only child. Are you really? Yeah, so I've always like been gravitated towards people like you that <laughs> yeah. have big families. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so funny because like we, Marshall and I talk about this sometimes, but he has a really small family. But I grew up like my uncle's picking on us. There's a photo I just found of my uncle flying my brother around by his underwear. You know, like that's the kind of family we grew up in. Anyway, <laughs> they're more than happy to help when you need it. And so it was the same thing. It was like, okay, well, my aunt gave me a crock pot. I mean, I just. Well, I mean, I think that goes back to saying of you would be surprised what people will yeah. do if you just ask. Right. And that was something I was taught a long time ago when I started working with charities mm-hmm. in the area. And, you know, part of working for charities is sometimes asking for donations, asking for money and, you know, drives. Mm -hmm. And somebody once told me that. You will be surprised what people will do if you simply ask. Yeah. And and when you put it that way, it doesn't make it sound like, oh, I'm calling and, you know, begging people for money, you know. Right. No, I'm just going to simply ask. They can say no. They can say no. But most people do not. They want to help. They do want to help, and I think a lot of times people don't know how to help. So mm-hmm. if you give them an option that's not just a monetary option, so like, for example, when I moved, 
I didn't ever, I was not like, I need, you know, $100 to go buy all of my kitchen supplies. I was very specific. Like, well, I don't have kitchen towels. I don't have nice knives. You know, I don't have cutting boards. And then, then you get the things you need versus like random stuff, which can happen too. Sure. Which, sure. which some of my aunts were like, if you don't want it, just give it away. You know, like get it out of my right. house. Well, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that realtors run into when they're listing a home yeah. is not so much the staging, but getting people to get rid the of the clutter. Yeah. And it's hard. That's emotional for people. Right. To have to get rid of things. Or even just pack them up and put them in a storage unit. It's emotional for them. So what is that? Do you have a process when you work with people? Yeah, I mean, usually I will go through with a list and I will start to, you know, make a list of everything that needs to be eliminated. Yeah. And doesn't mean they have to get rid of it. Right. <clears throat> if they want to put it in a storage unit and wait till their next house to take it with them, they can. But a cluttered home also does not sell right. very and well. And you don't want your personal items exactly. also, or anything even of really great value. You know, God forbid, you know, somebody brings, you know, kids into a showing, with they, mm -hmm. which they often do, and one of your items gets broken that was very valuable. Right. You don't want that to happen either. Yeah, because then, I mean, well, then it's just not there anymore, and it's not like you can hold them responsible. Right. so I usually make a list of decluttering. Also, closets and pantries, mm. uh, people need to get rid of usually half of their clothes because the closets are crammed. Um, shoes and boots and all of that, we usually you know, I'll give them little you know, pretty baskets right. to put everything in so everything looks neat nice. and tidy. I think after working in the retirement community, that was probably the biggest takeaway because I was actually the listing real estate agent in that retirement community. So I did sales and marketing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they had a brokerage on site. And when I got hired, I got hired by the marketing director and they were like, and you may help with sales. And then it was like, okay, you know, we're going to have you get your real uh -huh. estate license and all uh -huh. this. And then I was, um, anyway, it ended up being a much bigger role than we anticipated. So, so that retirement community, when you moved in, your buy-in was the purchase of your home. So everyone who was moving in was like moving out of these homes they had lived in for 40 sure. years. I mean, they, they still do that around yeah, here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that process was so emotional but then I was on the other end so when those residents were in the retirement community and were no longer able to live in their home independently that's an even more, more emotional, emotional decision because a lot of times then you're dealing with the families and the estates and the attorneys and all of that and so just watching these people go through their parents stuff and when my grandpa got to that point where he had a downsize he was throwing away bags of history because he just, he was like, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, they become overwhelmed. Yeah, so overwhelmed. And it, I mean, there's so many things now that, like, my family will bring up and, like, oh, it's probably gone, you know? And my grandma was like the opposite, where she didn't want to let go of anything because she, I mean, I didn't, we have a ton of cousins and family members, but I was in Virginia. I didn't want to take her China back mm -hmm. to Virginia. Like, you know, my other cousins were not in a position where, they wanted to take the china home either and so she was like in tears about letting go of her china you know and we should have found like you said like someone she could have gifted it to, it to. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what happened to it actually. But she was just didn't want her china to go to Goodwill. Yeah, I, I don't know if people still do china anymore. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. And it was like such a big deal for her to have that set, I think. Because they grew up really poor. Because usually it's not the thing. It's the memory that surrounds yeah. the thing. Right? right. So she was probably given it as a wedding gift. Mm-hmm. Or just remembers family gatherings yeah. and everybody using that china. Oh, so it's usually not the thing. It's the, the memories surrounding the thing. Yeah. And I don't know where it went. Mm-hmm. But that's a really hard process to go through and I know my mom having gone through that with my grandparents has like started cleaning out her closets and her attic and everything because one you don't want your children to be in that same position if you don't do it but then two you have while you have control and time I think it's easier to go through it piece by piece right versus she's considering selling too but that's that's a little more motivation for her now (laughs) you know but so how do you are you pretty good about clutter then in your own home no it's weird um yes in the main living spaces my husband would majorly argue that fact with my closet (laughs) uh my out of control shoe habit (laughs) um and my office my office i like to call it goes through a uh, a, a binge and a purge. Mm, I'm the same. Um, I go through these waves where I I hit a wall and I'm like, I cannot do a single thing until I clean this whole thing and right. get it all organized. And then I get busy and I let stuff pile and I start throwing things where they shouldn't be. And pretty soon, how did all this clutter happen? Now I got to purge again. Yes. You know, so I to consistently keep it clean and organized, no. And how but I people, love it clean and organized. I do love it clean and organized, and I think I work better that way, but I'm the same way. Like, when I left my home office right now, I was like, when did this tornado happen? happen? Right. Like, I thought... And <laughs> it's usually so paperwork, mail, yeah. and, um, you know, various flyers I get from events, people's business cards, you know, yeah. like, ah... How, how did all this these piles happen? What do you do with business cards? I mean, I, I want a system for business cards. Yeah. And, and why can't we just eliminate those in the world? Okay, so in the age of technology, yes. now, why can't we eliminate the pa- the paper business card? I think we can because I went to a conference in LA last year. It was a much younger crowd than I thought. Like a lot mm-hmm. of twenties. I thought it was more entrepreneurial, but it was more like I like the idea of being an entrepreneur. I haven't yet, you know, right. made the leap. But nobody like I had just rebranded, I had new business cards, I rushed them so I could have them for the conference and no one had business cards. Like no one. I asked one lady. See, if our phones would, you know, not you know, phones like I know my Samsung, you can touch it to another Samsung yeah. and it can transfer. But unfortunately, not everybody's Right. On the same thing. Yeah. A good app idea? Yeah. Like, it would pull up on your phone. So if somebody says, oh, do you have a card? You can just pull it up your phone and go, "Uh, touch your phone to my phone and you got it. Right. And that's, but everyone was doing Instagram. That was like the business card. And you were, people were just passing their phones around whatever circle we were sitting in. Oh, that's so awkward. It was so. Bizarre, and then you okay, follow. Okay, we, we gotta like, come up with a business idea right here, right now, the app. to eliminate yes. business cards. The, the app. What kind of app can we develop? Something like that, where you scan yes. something. You have your own barcode. Barcode, but 
Yeah, I mean, most people have a barcode reader on the phone, right? Yeah, if you... I love QR codes, like, kind of... Like, I think that was like well, you know, that was the point, it, yeah. Right? Then it like didn't make it. It didn't make it because no, I don't was, think people were using them correctly. And then Snapchat, Snapchat. Oh, but Instagram now has a thing where you can scan. Like, if you pull up your Instagram code, then I can scan your code and yes, right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how that works. We need to figure that out we because I have. I mean, I love my logo that yeah. I just did. You know, my logo is very pretty. But, you know, I don't think I need to hand it out in cards. I'd rather people see it on my website. They see it yeah. on my marketing, other marketing materials. And right. I don't need to, the abundance of cards all the time. Cards and just print material in general. Because mm-hmm. even, especially when you do an event, yeah. that stuff ends up in the garbage. Yeah. You know, you can talk to someone about it and you can give them that, but like, it's nine times out of ten going to go straight in the trash. And that's a hard thing, I think, for old school people to realize. Yes. Because the amount of money that I think people are wasting on print budgets when it's not necessary anymore. If you're going to do it, then do it well and make sure that it's going to have a lasting impact. Outside of that, little flyers, even business cards, like, it's not... It's really not necessary. I like when people hand out promotional products. But, you know, yeah. That's something that's fun and clever exactly. with their logo on it. What well, if they had, like, a thumb drive? Those are always nice. Something, something like... If you... I think it all goes back to being specific. Definitely. Yeah. And intentional, like, knowing your audience with what... So, I'm working with a client now who ships a lot on Etsy for weddings. And so we were thinking of ways that she could, like, spice up her packaging when she sends it. So if you're sending 12 custom koozies for a bachelorette party, then you could also include a shot glass with your logo on it. Like, congratulations, love, you know, this company. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going to use it. Because I would have done that. I I was maid of honor two years in a row, so I have some experience in (laughs) that You could have used a shot glass. Yeah, exactly. But we could have at the bachelorette party, too. You know, like, that's something, Mm -hmm. oh, cool, we'll take this. Yeah, I I love clever marketing ideas. I do, too. And it's not, I mean, everyone can use a pen, but you're going to lose it. You're going to lose that pen. Yeah. And if you don't buy good quality pens, then it's going straight in the trash, too. Right. They break, the little springs pop out. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't write well. Or I think we can get just more intentional with our... Because even here, like, I've been thinking about getting glasses. Yes. You know, like, branded stem mugs or, or mugs some. or something. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a, a talk show. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how yes. many people watch it versus listen to it. So that's something I'm experimenting with, well, too. Well, maybe people can chime in. Of Should we blatantly display our vodka and soda, or should it be <laughs> hidden in a mug, like, on a talk show? <laughs> I always wonder. Don't you wonder? Like, oh, they all have alcohol you in think? those mugs. Yeah. Oh. Maybe not morning shows, except for Kathy Lee and Hoda. Well, and they're just wide open with it. They don't care. Yeah. Because they're Kathy Lee and Hoda. Mm-hmm. But I think nighttime talk shows, they always have liquor in those coffee mugs. Oh, my God. I always thought it was water. I don't think so. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> I did have coffee mugs for a while because I thought it was funny for that reason. Like, you never know what's in there. But then one broke, so I thought, whatever. Now I'm just... But that's why I need kind of... Whether it's branded or not, I need glasses to keep here yeah i think you need prettier glasses yeah 
prettier glass, not yeah. these. Because you're mainly promoting women on the program, Yeah, right? a lot of right. women. We're both into that, mm-hmm. promoting women in business. Yeah. So. And even men, they don't mind drinking out of a fancy glass. They're just about the experience. Yeah. My brother has the fanciest espresso cups, like, from all over the world. It's become a thing. People go places and they bring Eddie these, like... Espresso cups. Yeah, yeah. like, handmade... That's really cool. He has one from here. Maybe there's just one from here and one from Mexico. Maybe. And maybe. <laughs> no. from, all, from all over the world. Aurora and Mexico. I take, well, we did buy him some from Turkey, but oh, then Turkey. They, they broke. And then there was one other place he had them from. So he has some cool ones. Unless you get one from Asia or something, it's not interesting. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It's just a white yeah, it's espresso just boring. Cup. Exactly. If it's not handmade, <laughs> we don't care. My mom did get him a really cool one. It looks like Willy Wonka, so that was pretty, pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, my brother is a different character. <laughs> He's like a the most well-read meathead you'll ever meet. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. So kind of a nerd. Yeah, but a nerd in. Like the most athletic nerd, he calls himself a vanilla gorilla. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to just see. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. If you see him, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, did so you're an only child? Yes. Is your husband an only child? No, he has two brothers. Wow, you guys have a small family and you don't have children, correct? Don't have children, just two dog dogs and yes we're those crazy people who think our dogs are like our children but they are they're part of your family they are Sounds easier. Yeah. <laughs> it is a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot cheaper you know i've had some pretty hefty vet bills lately but for the most part you know i have a college tuition to pay for right right yeah um, or somebody now a wedding or a wedding or you know now some People have their children at their house till after they're 35. I wouldn't want that either. Oh, no. So uh, dogs are definitely less expensive. Yeah, they. Uh, uh-huh. I did move back home from 29 to 30, almost 31. I did two years when I came back from Virginia because I went yeah, to college. What you have to do? Yeah, you have. Well, and my mom was like gracious enough to let me come back, but it's home. not living in your mother's basement till you're 35 you know oh no uh-huh. there's a, a lot of kids out there doing that now yeah but Ugh. i don't know how <laughs> 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 sounds terrible. That sounds terrible yeah especially i couldn't wait to leave i mean i i left home at 17. Oh i graduated a year earlier than my class was scheduled to graduate and I took off and went to LA. Oh my gosh, you did? Yeah, I thought I was gonna manage a heavy metal band. It was in the 80s, you know. <laughs> Big here and all, I oh. went. Uh-huh. Wow. What was the band? Uh, they were called Prisoner. <laughs> Not to be confused with the also popular Poison. Yeah, I know you can confuse those. Uh-huh. But um, yeah. And did you grow up around here? I grew up in Northwest Indiana primarily. I was born in Ohio, went to elementary school in Ohio, and most of my relatives are still in Ohio. 
And then I went to high school um, in a small, small school in Northwest Indiana. So how did you find this? Like, how did you end up with this metal band? Guys I went to high school with. Wow. And they went to L.A. They went to L.A. And I went out there. I didn't last very long before I was calling my mother, crying (laughs) for, you know, a plane ticket home. Oh, my gosh. That's Mm. an amazing story, though. And then you came back. Where are those guys now? Did they... You know, no, I know one is back living in Northwest Indiana, but I don't know what happened to the rest of them. That you have to do it when you're that age. You have to try it because you can always move home, and that's what yeah, I like. right. It's, it's, my mom always told me. So that. I guess I've always been a risk taker. Yeah, yeah. And if you have, if you're lucky enough to have a mom that's supportive and is like, you can always come home. Right. That was always my safety net when I, I studied abroad in college. I went to Ireland. And I was terrified. I mean, you're moving across the ocean, like. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, but that's scarier. Well, I don't know. L.A. in the '80s was pretty darn scary. L.A. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the conference was yeah. last year, and so that. No, I did. Little... I did stay with an aunt and an uncle there, so I was in a little bit of a safety zone. If yeah. I hadn't been staying with a relative out there, it would really scary. It is. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, you grow a lot. And at that age, when you're 18, 19, 20, like, you can sleep anywhere. You can, you know, you can go out and then get up and be productive in the morning, go to school. That's where I met my best friend in Ireland. But it was always, you can, you know, you can come home. And then later, you know, I graduated from college, blah, 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 and got a job. And then I moved to Virginia to be with my best friend, to live with her. They had, like, six months on, left on their lease. And my mom was like, yeah, I mean, you can always come home. It's just a drive. So, and then six months turned into four years. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was it. Have you ever, outside of moving to L.A., lived anywhere else? Uh, No, uh, not really. There was a short, I think, short stint in Tucson, Arizona. That's part of my life I want to block out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh uh-uh. It's always... Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. Yeah. I lived in Illinois most of the so life. Midwest girl. Yeah. Midwest. And when you go to Virginia, they do call the Midwest the flyover states. And I didn't realize how many people truly fly over them. Well, I don't, that, that's not what I would consider the flyover states. Do you, what do you consider it like Nebraska? The, I, when people tell me flyover states, I think of our middle America that's often forgotten. Yes. You know, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, Iowa, um, those states that don't mm-hmm. get as, a, I mean, we get a lot of attention in Illinois. Yeah. Good and bad. Right. But a lot of attention because we have a major city, so we're a hub yeah. rather than a flyover state. I know. But it's amazing, even with Chicago, how many people, and then vice versa, so flyover, and then vice versa, how many people from Illinois thought I was living in West Virginia? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm in Virginia. Virginia's way different than yes. West Virginia. Way different. And, I mean, they're next door to each other. Yeah, but, but they're, they're very different. Very I've, different. I've been to West by God, Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we both have family from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I shot my first gun in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. As I, I did not see the Mothman. Did you see Mothman prophecies? Yes. I wanted to see the Mothman that was supposed to be in West Virginia. Have you ever seen the documentary The Wild and Wacky Whites of West Virginia? No. Oh, I would love that. Oh, you would love it. It's about a family. I think they're called the Whites is their last name. And they're, um, they are wacky. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's not a good portrayal of West Virginia. No, I'm it, sure it's not. And I went to West Virginia to go to the Fiesta Ware factory. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. So my mm-hmm. grandma's family grew up in East Liverpool, Ohio, which is yes. on the Ohio River. Been there? Yes. I think I had lunch there. You probably did. because it's some cute little tea shop or something. I haven't been there in a long time. Mm-hmm. But they, before it was like Fiesta Ware as we know it now, yes. they all worked in the, the Fiesta Ware factory. Yep. And so, yeah. yeah. So me, my mother and my aunts would go down there, plan a weekend, and mm-hmm. we like to rummage through the bins of the imperfect, you know, stuff or a lot of people don't know they manufacture for lots and lots of restaurants so there's some with like wacky mm-hmm. restaurant logos on them yep. i have some big platters that i got from there that i used for barbecues and they just have you know wacky restaurant logos on them but they were all made from fiesta Ware. there was um i can't think of the logo but every time we went to a restaurant until my grandma like passed away she would flip over the plates and look for the logo. The Fiesta Ware yeah. logo. Yep. And then we finally found one because we used to joke, like, what are you going to do when you find one? Are you going to put it in your purse? And then we did. There was one day, and I, I did. I put it in my purse. It was just a little dinner, a little like appetizer yeah, plate. So I have colorful, you know, that's my orange pitcher that's in my orange and teal kitchen. Oh, cool. It's Fiesta Ware. I have a white pitcher, I have Fiesta Ware uh, mugs and things. But I'm on the quest for the cobalt blue. I have Ooh. a creamer and a sugar yeah. thing, but I'm missing the sugar bowl. I have two creamers and no and sugar, bowl. sugar bowl. So I need the cobalt blue sugar bowl. It's probably worth a fortune. Yeah, I'm sure. You should check. Do you ever look on eBay? No, I haven't in a long time. eBay's a fun. I have the app on my phone. It's just you never know what you're going to find on there. Yeah. Or if somebody out there has a cobalt blue shirt. Yeah, cobalt blue. I, I need that. And I also <laughs> want the aqua picture, the aqua blue picture. Ooh, I have an aqua fiesta wear mug, and that oh, is my favorite Yeah, mug. I love the aqua. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. nice. Um, well, I are we like close to? Are we close to time? Yeah. Jeez. We can wrap. I mean, it's we can keep talking. We can wrap whenever we want. It's up to us. <laughs> we are. We, we can call time. Yeah. Those are 52 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, it's been a while. Doesn't it go fast? Yes, it does. And, yeah, I, I'm i definitely going to encourage other women who want to do this. Good. Great. Yeah. I, thank you for coming. And how can people get a hold of you if they have questions about interior design or selling their home? Well, they can go to... Um, ChrisCashRealty.com. Mm-hmm. That goes to my direct website. Is that C H R I S? C A S H, just mm-hmm. like it sounds. I have an easy name to remember. Yeah. Chris That's Cash. That's a cool name. Yeah, well, not when I worked at a bank. <laughs> I did. God, I, I worked. Funds. I worked at a bank for a short period of time when I was in college, and they used to call me Chris Can't Count the Cash. <gasps> Because oh, my no. cash drawer was forever off a couple pennies. Really? Yeah, a couple pennies, not off by a huge amount. Yeah. I think I would have gotten in trouble for that. <laughs> but I was always off like a couple pennies. And so they used to call me Chris Can't Count the Cash. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> right. But now my name, I like it. I, it's actually my main name. I didn't take my husband's last name oh. because so many people in the community knew me right by my last name or even would just call me cash really yeah that's pretty that's that pretty i badass. couldn't i couldn't yeah. give it up oh my gosh mm-hmm. it's hard i think if you're building your career before you get married yeah you really i've gotten to married later in life so make that decision yeah. 
but that's good for you. He wanted to take my last name. Cause oh, okay. This has been a common theme with my friends lately mm-hmm. because some of them had cooler maiden names than their husband's last name. Yeah, names. you could take your wife's last name. You can for sure. And then you. <laughs> Why does that make you uncomfortable? It usually makes the in-laws uncomfortable, like it did mine. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't want my husband to do that. Because it breaks tradition? Yeah. And I had a couple that really, really considered it, and then when it came down to it, they went the traditional route. Like, well, you know, only you can decide. You you also don't have to take your husband's last name. Period. And plus, I was just lazy. I didn't want to change all my credit cards and my driver's license. It's so much work. Yeah. No. And you guys, you didn't have children. No. So it's not like they would have thought it was weird, you know. Even so. Celebrities do it all the time. Yeah. Do you think they really do or they just maintain that public persona? Yeah, I think there's probably a mixture of both. Yeah, that's true. Probably a mixture of both. Anyway, this has been lovely. Thank Thank you. you. Is there anything else you wanted to get out there? I think... Uh, I I think... You know, mainly I just like you. I want to encourage women to, if you're like me, and you waited till you're 50 years old to start a new career, to take a leap of faith and do it. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. I think think that having people of different ages on here is so important because you can see that can be done at any age. Like, you're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too inexperienced. Right. You just got to go for it. Go for it. But also, and have that support, too. Oh, and you know, and I have never was taught this, but I think a lot of women were, is fear of failure. I yeah. say fear. Right. Fail. Fail often. Yes. Fail forward. That's kind of our company motto. Right. You're going to fail. And fail faster. And fail fast. Fail often. Fail forward. Yes. That has been It's okay to fail. It is, but you just can't get stuck there. No, get stuck. And that's that's been a recurring theme on this podcast, especially like when it comes to marketing and people pour their heart into something and they work on it and work on it and then it's just not working. You have to know when to give that up and say this, okay, this failed. I need to move on. Because if you get stuck in the failure part, then you're just never going to make forward progress. Good. Well, that's a great way to end it then. Yeah. All right, let's cheers. 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 Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Woohoo. We did it.